Hey mom friend, welcome back to the Simplify Birth and Motherhood podcast. I'm your host, Amanda, and I am a childbirth educator, and this is where you can get clarity to make informed decisions to help empower your pregnancy, childbirth, postpartum, and the early years of motherhood. And today we are talking about prenatal nutrition. Although I'm not a prenatal nutritionist and everyone's intake of food looks different for everybody, I'm going to be talking about five major vitamins, minerals, and nutrients that are to be consumed on a regular basis during your pregnancy and why. I will also be sharing why there is a huge difference between folic acid and folate and which one is best. And believe me, you might be surprised on what my answer will be and why. The moment we realize we are going to become mothers, especially if it's our first time, we begin to question what do we need to be eating to help our growing child and what prenatal vitamin is best. And unfortunately, today there are so many vitamins and supplements out there that are marketed towards pregnancy, but they don't actually have what we need and have all these additives that are not even necessary and our body can't even use. And here's the thing. We are not to be solely relying on these supplements to provide these key nutrients, and I'm going to explain how you do that during your pregnancy. Today, I am only sharing about five essential nutrients you will be needing in your pregnancy, but did you know there are so much more? And I teach them in my one-on-one childbirth education coaching course. Whether you are having a hospital birth, home birth, or having your baby at a birthing center, in our time together, not only will you learn how to nourish yourself and baby throughout your pregnancy for childbirth and as you recover in postpartum, but you will get a well-rounded, informative childbirth educational experience that will prepare you and your birth partner for childbirth and how to make informed decisions for birth and beyond. You'll be able to get more in-depth training that is hands-on and fits your needs and desires for the type of birth you are looking to have. The perfect time to sign up for these types of classes is around 24 weeks. And if that is you, or if you are a first-time mom looking for some guidance, or a multi-mom looking to do things differently or get a refresher, click the link in the description of this episode, which takes you to my website and sign up for these classes today. Or you can email me at cbecoaching at simplifiedbirthandmotherhood.com. If you are here and are listening to in today's episode, then you need to join my class because this is just the tip of the iceberg and there are so many things you will learn in our time together that will equip you for your birth, reduce any fears you may have, build your confidence, and leave you with a satisfied birth experience. So go check it out right now and let's get started. Hey mama, welcome to Simplify Birth and Motherhood. I am Amanda, I am a wife and mom of four. I have had a hospital birth, unexpected C-section, a few home births, and now I am a birth advocate, childbirth educator, and your cheerleader in the toughest hood of them all, motherhood. Do you wish you knew what options were available to you when becoming a new mom or adding more to the mix? Are you ready to nurture and build up your mom gut so you can be more confident, educated, and bold? In this podcast, you will begin to understand, find support, and turn knowledge into power through education and resources for pregnancy, childbirth, postpartum, and for the early years of motherhood. If you are ready to get clarity to empower your birth and motherhood journey, then throw up your unbrushed hair, hike up your high-waisted pants because sister, (laughs) I know you are wearing them. 
Put the baby in the ergo and let's start feeding our God-given mom guts. See you inside. All right, welcome back. I am so excited to be here. Um, (laughs) Sometimes getting these podcasts out is a little challenging um, just because, you know, I'm just trying my best over here with having a newborn and three other little kiddos coming to the end of summer, getting all the new homeschool things together quite a lot, but I am very happy to be here, very thankful to be here, and today we're going to talk about nutrition, and not in the senses that I think you would think, like I'm not going to tell you how much of milligrams to eat per day or grams of this deep per day, just because that varies from person to person, but also too, I mentioned in the intro, I am not a prenatal nutritionist although that'd be kind of cool one day, but, and maybe I'll have one on here one day for you. But until then, we're just going to talk about things that we actually need. I thought this was a very important topic only because I remember when I was a first time mom, I had no idea what I needed to eat for my growing baby. I knew that there were like some important minerals and vitamins that I need to start taking. And I actually remember talking to one of my friends like, I don't even know where to start when it comes to nutrition just because I don't, I've never done this before. So that's pretty much what I'm here for today. Or maybe this is your second time around. You're kind of looking to do things a little different when it comes to your nutrition. Um, Or maybe just the thought of nutrition in general is super overwhelming and you just want to start taking one thing at a time and focusing on the important nutrients then that is what we're going to talk about today. (laughs) So the term eating for two, if we've ever heard this term, it's usually for the sake of like, I'm eating for two, so I'm going to eat some more. But that's just not an excuse for us to eat a ton of food. I mean, as much as you would like to eat, sometimes our eyes are bigger than our stomach. But the term eating for two is not just for the reason to make sure that we're eating enough for two, but it's for the sake of also nutrients. That's why I kind of like this saying a lot because when you think about it, it's like when you put something into your body or when you're eating something, you're not doing it just for the sake of that momentary happiness or that momentary temporary feeling of like, ooh, this tastes good. But you're looking at it from a perspective of I'm eating something because it's going to make me feel good, but also it's going to make my baby do good and grow well and develop well. And so this term for eating for two, I, I love looking at it from that perspective, at least when we are intaking food in our pregnancy, we do it for the purpose of making sure we as mamas are one benefiting from the nutrients and, but also two that we are eating things that help us function as individuals, things that make us feel good, things that give us energy, things that don't make us sick, (laughs) or things that make us actually feel better in spite of feeling nauseous and sick. But also too, it's a way to provide nutrients for our baby for them to grow and to develop. So when we look at nutrition, we need to look at it as a resource, something we can use for good or something that is going to greatly benefit us and our baby as a whole. And proper nutrition, of course, is very important during pregnancy. And the simple answer as to why it's so important is because it's like a duh moment, like, well, duh. It's, again, to help our baby grow and to live and thrive during our pregnancy. And that's it. That's the end of the episode. We'll see you later. Bye.
<laughs> just kidding. Of course, this goes without saying, but I'm going to go ahead and say it. There are more than a few vitamins and minerals and nutrients that we need that we need to make sure that we're getting during our pregnancies and in postpartum that are very important to our sustainability and growth of our child. Having poor nutrition during pregnancy can cause changes in growth and development of major organs that can cause lifelong risk to our baby. Just as much as is true of having a nutrient-dense diet, we will also provide optimal development for our babies and changes in, honestly, it's like if we don't eat good, obviously we're not going to feel good. If we don't eat things that are going to benefit the growth of our baby, it's all, it's going to kind of stunt that growth a little bit. So just as much as it is for us to get a good, nice, healthy diet and to get all the nutrients and minerals that we need is just as true as if we don't, then obviously it's going to compromise the growth and development and it's really not going to help us thrive during our pregnancies. And our nutrition during pregnancy changes with each trimester and what nutrients we need and how much of it really depends on where we're at in our pregnancies. So we need to make sure that we are definitely getting in each trimester those amount of nutrients and minerals and vitamins. And no matter what trimester we are in as mothers, we should be mainly getting our nutrients from nutrient-dense whole foods. This will help us make sure we are getting plenty of the necessary essential vitamins and minerals to keep us strong and do everything within our control and power to have a healthy baby. Because really there's so many things during our pregnancy, like we really don't have control of how sick we're going to be, or we don't really have control over say how big we get or we don't, there's a lot of things that we don't really have control over during our pregnancy and sometimes even birth. We can do so much to be in control of these certain things, but ultimately at the end, sometimes there are things that happen that are completely out of our control. But when it comes to nutrition, this is actually something that we do have the power to have control of. Although it seems like sometimes we don't have self-control when it comes to things that we're craving or maybe things that we love. Um, but nutrition is usually and is something that we absolutely can be in control of during our pregnancy. We don't necessarily control the outcome of the nutrition, like how our body is going to use it or how in what ways our body, our baby is going to grow and develop from that nutrition, from those minerals, all those types of things. We don't necessarily have the control of the outcome, but what we do have control over is what we eat and how much and what we put into our body, so our nutrition. And supplements like our prenatal vitamin and others need to only be taken to necessarily fill in the gaps of our diet, not be the only way we get our nutrients. We can't just think that this is like a magic pill where we're gonna go ahead and take it or a magic powder where we're taking it and being like, okay, we don't need to worry about in taking other nutrients aside from this because this is just going to do it. That's not what our prenatal vitamin is for. It's only for filling in the gaps. And I will also have some recommendations on what prenatal vitamins and other supplement brands that I have personally tried, I am trying, I love, and I currently do still take. And I'm going to mention a few today because aside from this, there are other essential nutrients we need in our pregnancies that are equally important. 
And if you want to dive a little deeper into that, come register for my childbirth education class where I talk about all of this in more in detail and will also show you how you can implement them into your diet to prepare you for your upcoming birth and as well as set you up nutritionally for postpartum, but also how to take care of yourself during postpartum because postpartum is as equally important as it is in your pregnancy when we talk about nutritional speaking. So the best time when we think about timing and nutrition, the best time is really, it's never too late. It's never too late during our pregnancy to begin to nourish ourselves properly with food that is nutrient dense. But when we think about what is the best timing versus the worst timing, ideally the best, absolute best time for you to start implementing these key nutrients and to start nourishing yourself with these whole food, nutrient-dense foods is before you get pregnant. So think about it. When we find out that we're pregnant, it's at least after four weeks of conception. But by day 23, the heart of our baby is already formed. So the growth and the development of a a baby, or like I say and like to say, is that the first few weeks of our pregnancy is laying the foundations of baby and their major organs and are done through the early weeks of our pregnancy, which is technically our first trimester. Everything is there that first week. And from the first trimester, as soon as nine weeks, we have very foundational, very vital major organs that are already there. And from there on, it's just those maturing and growing and being put into place. So these major organs are happening and those foundations are being built during our first couple weeks of pregnancy. So by example, week four, the heart, the spinal cord, GI tract, and cells that make up the placenta are already there and causing them to form. By week five, all the layers that consist of the brain, nerves, bones, muscle, stomach, liver, their reproductive organs, and lungs are all there. They even say that whether or not your child will have oral ties will be formed in this time period as well. So a lot of major growth and development happening that is absolutely amazing. And it's so crazy to me, side note, that we don't have to teach our body to do this. That God has created our bodies to pretty much do all this. It's so mind-blowing to me that we don't have to teach our baby to grow in these ways. And how this is happening and how they are forming properly is really based on the nutrients that you consumed before you got pregnant. It's relying on those nutritional stores that we consumed in our preconception period. So, and that's great news for us as mothers who are terribly sick during our first trimester and can't even stomach anything. Just have some encouragement knowing that all the food, all the nutrient-dense food that you ate before you got pregnant, all those nutritional stores that are there from when you were eating before you found out that you were pregnant are all there rating for baby to use during this time period. 
And usually we all know that the, during the first trimester is when baby is the most fragile and the most susceptible to damage from drugs, chemicals, and poor nutrition. It is always best to nourish ourselves during our pregnancy as much as we can. But if you can, and what I recommend you do, if you can, is to start now if you are not pregnant quite yet, or to start before you plan on getting pregnant. So if you plan on having a baby, wanting to get pregnant within the next couple months, six months, four months, or even 12 months, a full year before you actually want to think about trying to conceive, right now is the perfect time to start putting yourself on a very nutrient-dense diet for that growth, for the laying foundations of baby when you are ready to finally conceive. And the following trimesters after that, after our first trimesters, are just the maturing of these foundational organs and neurosystems. I like to think of it like a plant, okay? So we plant a plant and it say grows from the seed, okay? You continue to water it and you continue to expose it to sunlight because that's how it gets its food to keep it growing and maturing. I have this one plant in my bathroom that sits in front of my window. I've had it for five years and it started off as a little tiny spider plant. I don't know if you have one of those, but they can grow pretty big because mine is huge right now, but it took a lot of nurturing and it took a lot of watering. And at some point there were parts of it that had died because I was not watering it enough. But when you water a plant that's been planted and you give it the sunlight that it needs, it just keeps growing and maturing. So all of it is there. Its DNA is there. And so all we need to do is just water it and feed it. And that is exactly what we are doing in our later trimesters. And what we are to be eating and drinking is ways that we help baby develop those major organs, but also to mature them. Okay. So five major minerals and nutrients to focus on. The first one is choline. This is much needed because it plays a direct role in the development of the brain, the neuron connection to synapsis, which help transfer pretty much information between the brain and the other parts of the nerve, the central nervous system. It is also an important nutrient for their muscle control, memory, and thinking as they grow older. So when I think of that too, when I think of as choline being that for our babies, I think of that as, as a mom or as an adult. Choline is so important for our memory and thinking. So we too, we benefit from this as moms, but also as an adult, we benefit from this by implementing this into our diet as well. It helps develop the brain and spinal cord and help protect neural tubal. This is where your spinal cord and brain get developed from those defects, the neural tubal defects. Foods to consume that are actually rich with this nutrient are in beef liver, egg yolks, quality, good quality, dairy products, grains like quinoa, meats, nuts, legumes, and vegetables. Why we need to consume this essential nutrient is because our bodies do not produce the necessarily daily amount of it on its own. So this is something we need to be constantly doing because our body can't just produce it enough of it on its own. So as adults, we need to be making sure that we are getting this as well. So 
one thing too that I want you to keep in mind is that these nutrients in these vitamins and minerals during our pregnancy, again, are not just for baby. They are also beneficial for us. So we benefit from this as well. So why not? Why not have good nutrition? Why not focus on major food groups to help us, to make us feel better, to help us have, in this case for choline, to have good memory, good move and mood and thinking abilities? Why not? I mean, we talk about mom brain, pregnancy brain. I mean, let's just up our choline so we can not forget that there's a pot of water on the stove boiling. Let's not do things like that or remember that we have scheduled a time to meet with somebody to go have coffee with them or not just space out on things. And a lot of that has to do with just upping a little bit of our nutrients to help us have that. And choline can do that. So why not? Why not have good nutrition, right? Or why not as even adults just focus on this, not just for the sake of our baby growing these major organs, but because they make us feel good too (laughs) and do better. (laughs) The next one is vitamin A and D. So these ones are two together, but vitamin A is needed for the cells, tissue, and organs that are developing in your baby's body. It is also key for the development of the communication between the brain and these organs. Whereas vitamin D plays a role in the development of the lungs. But what vitamin A does is that it's necessary to help maintain the presence of the cells that line the lungs. So in that lining, it also helps develop the little hairs that move away the debris, disease. And in order for them to continue to grow, we need to make sure that we are consuming vitamin A regularly. So the vitamin D develops the lungs or the vitamin A puts all these other little tiny things into them and helps them grow and mature. Vitamin D and vitamin A work together by regulating our gut and immune system to maintain homeostasis. Any deficiencies of these two can result in increased disease in the GI tract. If we have low intake of vitamin D in our pregnancies, the deficiency of that of vitamin D will show up in our breast milk by all by not showing up in our breast milk pretty much. <laughs> and if we have low vitamin A intake, it can actually cause poor kidney function later in our baby's life. So these two are very, very, very important. And in order to not have an overload of vitamin A, because that also is kind of the warning is too much vitamin A. We can't overdose on vitamin A, which is true. Everything can be dangerous if it's not done in moderation. But vitamin A in particular, for it to not become overloading our system, needs to actually be accompanied with this vitamin D because the vitamin D will help make sure that that doesn't happen, that it balances it out. And food ways that we can consume this is through organ meats, like beef liver. As you can see, there is a pattern here. Beef liver has the majority of the necessary vitamins and minerals we need during all stages of our lives as mothers, as individuals, men, women. It's not just in pregnancy that we should be consuming this. We can either do it straight up, like do some little beef liver shots or putting in some ground beef or cooking it up. I mean, however you like to do it, you can do it that way. Or you can get it in a supplement form. And I will, at the end, I will tell you what brands I recommend for that. You can also get vitamin A and D that are very high 
but again, balance each other out, is cod liver oil and animal fats. You can also get it from eggs, fish, and grass-fed butter. I mean, butter is delicious. Who doesn't like a nice, thick piece of butter on some toasted like brioche bread or something like that or like a on a baguette I love butter so much that when I put it on my bread and I don't have butter a lot guys so I'm not like you know Paula Dean over here you know butter is life but what I am saying is that if I'm going to put some butter on a baguette a slice like little tiny slice of a baguette I want to make sure that when I bite into it that I can see my teeth marks on that butter and honestly I give my kids a slice of butter almost every single morning when we make toast that is what they love they say can I have some butter because it's just so rich in vitamin A and it's good for their brains and everything like that so vitamin A vitamin D very 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 important during pregnancy and for the baby's brain all those things that I just mentioned about them so make sure we're doing those things next one are proteins fats and carbohydrates This is a controversial one because in my opinion, any provider that is advising you to not eat fats or have a low carb diet, like something very similar to keto, or they are recommending basically the ketogenic diet during your pregnancy without any medical reason, like you're diabetic, preeclampsia, prone to seizures, any along those lines type of things then you need to look for other nutritional advice for a second opinion because those types of diets are not good during pregnancy. Although a low-carb diet is very good in other cases to reduce swelling, water retention, and sometimes we do have swelling during pregnancy, so not necessarily going particularly low-carb in those situations, but we need those carbohydrates. We need those fats. And protein is usually not something that people recommend you not having because protein is so, so, so essential when it comes to pregnancy and breastfeeding. We should be at least getting 100 grams or more of protein when we are breastfeeding and during our pregnancies. But protein is not really the one that we have a lot of controversial issues about. It's the fats and carbohydrates. Because of the idea of saying, oh, fats, we're eating fried food, we're eating canola oil, vegetable oil, we're eating bad fats. And this is not to say that because I want you consuming fats or recommending the consumption of fats that I want you to just go like ham on a bad fat. Okay, the bad fat would be processed oils, things like that. No, when we think of fats, we think of healthy, nutrient-dense fats like avocado oil, olive oil, avocados, um, nuts, Brazilian nuts, um, cashews, almonds, those types of things. Good, good fats, okay? Because when we eat proteins, fats, and even carbohydrates, we are not only consuming energy. Now, calories, that's a totally different story when it comes to nutrition and pregnancy. I know a lot of women are kind of worried about calories or X amount of weight that we gain. And so we try to go on these low carb, low fat diets during our pregnancy. So that way we don't gain so much weight. Okay. And when I, when you think of carbohydrates, a lot of people just automatically think sugar. Well, carbohydrates are not just 
sugar. It's not just plain old white sugar where you're taking a spoonful of sugar and putting it in your mouth. This is not what we're talking about here. These carbohydrates include fruits, root vegetables like carrots, potatoes, sweet potatoes that are all very high in potassium, vitamin A, carotene, all those things that are amazing. Vitamin C from different fruits like nectarines, oranges, those types of things would also be in the category of carbohydrates. And so when we are thinking about these calories or even as food groups, they are really are only, that's really what a calorie is, guys. It's a unit of energy. And so it's because we're eating it and it's giving us energy. So when we have these, when we're consuming these food groups, it will give us sometimes some of these, like the carbohydrates in particular, give us a quick resource of energy. Whereas our long lasting energy comes from the fats and the protein. And with each of these food groups, we are getting the necessary vitamins and minerals we need for ourselves and baby. It's like you're kind of like killing two birds with one stone when it comes to some of these, like particularly, for example, there are vitamins that we can get from vegetables that we, that we can get from meat, such as B12. We get glycine, vitamin K, sulfur folate, which we'll talk a little bit more in depth here real soon, vitamin E, which is essential for reproductive growth and our hormones. They are essential for your pregnancy. They are essential as an individual and they, man, woman, proteins, fats, and carbohydrates are essential. And particularly when you are recovering from your postpartum and as you are breastfeeding. And when we are eating some of these carbohydrates, we want to make sure that we're eating them with a protein. And when we eat fruits and veggies, we want to make sure that we're eating them with some healthy fats that will cause the nutrients to be more easily absorbed into the body. Now, going back to the idea of, um, the energy. So when we eat, like I'd mentioned, we eat carbohydrates. Those are kind of quick energy items. So that would be like fruits, um, even sourdough bread. I mean, bread is not the enemy, you guys. Bread is life. Just kidding. But bread is really good, (laughs) especially when it's sourdough homemade bread. But bread is Good. If you can eat bread, if you don't have an intolerance to the gluten, which is the protein, then why not eat it? As long as it doesn't have all these like soybean oil, canola oil, all these different additives that are not good for us, then that's fine. We should be able to eat it. But that is a quick source of energy. And this is why in particular, when we are in labor, that having fats and proteins and carbohydrates to eat on, to snack on during labor is for the sake of energy. Like we are consuming them to be able to have energy to persevere through labor. So like the carbohydrates would be something like a fruit or something that unfortunately, yes, has sugar in it or like peanut butter, those things later on during active and into transition, we want to have those types of things where protein, we're going to want to have it in early labor because that's going to give us a long lasting energy where later on we want kind of something that's like going to a little pep in our step or give us the energy that we need temporarily or something really quick and really fast. That's why we resort to something sugary during labor, like a, you know, um, a juice or like an orange juice or, um, 
an apple, applesauce, um, those type of things where we eat like eggs, meat during our first stage of labor, because that's going to give us the sustaining energy we need. So very important. Do not miss out on this. Make sure that you are consuming an equal part of protein, fats, and carbohydrates. And everybody's intake, everybody's level is different, but particularly protein, 100 grams or more. Every provider will say that. Every midwife will say that. Make sure that we are getting that. Next is probiotics. Probiotics are good for health overall, in general. The mindset with the gut is that the gut and the brain are connected and majority of our immune system lies in our gut. The gut microbial ecology is mainly regulated by diet and any deficiency in macronutrients, which is our protein, fats, and carbohydrates, or micronutrients, which are your vitamins and minerals, can alter or affect the microbials in the gut. So what probiotics do is they provide this good bacteria that help in digestion and for your immune response. And when we consume a probiotic or even a lacto-fermented foods during our pregnancy, we are putting these good enzymes, this good bacteria, lactic acid into our gut that will cause it to flourish in our vaginas, aka the birth canal, which our baby will be exposed to as they descend through the birth canal during birth, which in turn will give them good exposure for their gut flora, good bacteria to help their gut flora for their immune system and for to protect their gut and for digestion. It will also flourish in our milk ducts that will then transfer over to our baby when we breastfeed. So lots of good benefits of probiotics. So if you're intaking it, if you're even through a pill or by doing lacto-fermented foods, you are doing your body good. And you are also doing your baby good. So a lot of long-term benefits with this one. We can consume lacto-fermented foods like sauerkraut, kimchi, buttermilk, yogurt. I mean, yogurt was like my jam during pregnancy and still is my jam. I love yogurt. And kefir to get some of these probiotics in the lacto-fermented enzymes and everything like that. Or we can take a probiotic which do your research first. Don't just take the first one off the shelf at Walmart, even at Whole Foods, guys, because even if it's store name brand or even if it's a very popular brand name or you just see an ad on Instagram or TikTok, do your research as if it's good on whether or not it will actually make it to your stomach and get to where it needs to go fully once you ingest it. There's not a lot of probiotics that can do that out there, but it's definitely worth looking into and making sure that if you have and are thinking about doing this, doing a probiotic, that you research the company that or the brand that you are looking to take. Number five, our last one, is folic acid folate. So let's talk about folic acid. Now this is probably the one of the most, like if we had like a greatest, like top five, this is going to fall pretty high up on our top five 
essential nutrients that we need during our pregnancies, especially in the beginning, our first trimester. Okay. And a lot of times the recommendation is folic acid. I mean, ACOG recommends folic acid. CDC recommends folic acid. And oddly enough, folic acid in sometimes, even on the CDC website, even on ACOG, even on American pregnant, whatever. There's so many times where folic acid and folate are used interchangeably as if they are the same thing. But we're going to talk a little bit first about folic acid versus folate. So folic acid is probably the most common vitamin that you will find in most over-the-counter multivitamins, prenatals, especially multivitamins that are targeted towards women, like a women's multivitamin and a prenatal, and sometimes we'll see it in, in itself. And if you do not know, folic acid is not the same as folate, okay? They'll, folate is considered a B9 a vitamin, that's its like medical name, and they'll use the same thing as folic acid. But the difference between folic acid and folate is that folic acid is synthetic. So if you are taking a currently a vitamin, a multivitamin, or anything like that with folic acid in it, just know it's synthetic. It's not folic acid, which also should probably question whether or not what other synthetic materials are in this vitamin that I'm taking right now. So it's worth looking into. But also, folic acid cannot be found in foods, but it is actually an additive in a lot of fortified foods and supplements. So chances are, you are probably getting it a lot now or you have in the past at some point, okay? So whether it doesn't, we've eaten cereal, we've eaten uh, anything processed, any type of, maybe we were not aware that our multivitamin had folic acid versus folate in it, or even has folic acid and folate, then we at some point have had a lot of this because it's actually put in a lot of processed foods. But it also has been shown to not really have any biological function unless our liver converts it so that our body can use it. So our liver actually has to convert folic acid and folate. So whereas folate is something that we can not only supplement with, so sometimes our multivitamins, prenatals will have folate versus folic acid, which is better than folic acid, but and it can also be supplemented, but it's most important that we find it through whole foods. Folate is probably one of the most important to make sure you are consuming, but it primarily is important that you take it before conception. So again, folate is vitamin B9, and it protects against neural tube defects in baby, and it also needs to be converted. So folic acid needs to be converted by our liver, and so does folate. I'm stressing that so much right now because we need to understand this. Our body has to convert it. It has to convert it in a way where it can use it. So where you are consuming folic acid, whether or not you're consuming folic acid or folate, your body needs to convert it. And it actually needs to be converted to methyl 
tetrahydrofolate or 5-MTHF. So there's another component to this. There is about 60% of people who carry the gene called MTHFR mutation, which has to do with the enzyme in folate that converts it to a bioavailable nutrient, which means that the liver, if you have this mutation, because it's genetic, if you have it, it means that your liver cannot convert the folic acid into the active form of folate, which is the 5-MTHF. And it doesn't convert it and it doesn't use it. It can't use it if it's not being converted. And 5-MTHF is the best form of folate because it doesn't require activation. It doesn't require it to be converted, which means it's bioavailable for mothers and baby, whereas folic acid and folate both need to be converted into this active molecule. And because it's bioavailable, it can pretty much be absorbed by anyone who takes it. So whether or not you have this gene. So if you have this gene, if you take this type of folate, the 5-MTHF, then you can absorb it because it's already been converted. It's already become active. It doesn't require that active, um, that activation. It's already done that. This is probably the most important vitamin. And this is the vitamin you should be taking no matter. So if it's folic acid, switch to folate ASAP. But the best option is this methyl tetrahydrofolate. That is the one that you need to be taking. And there are prenatal vitamins out there that do have that already converted folate for you. So that way, if you happen to have the gene, which chances are you do have the gene because 60% of the population does. So run to your medicine cabinet, run to wherever you keep your prenatal vitamins, wherever you keep your multivitamins, wherever it is, check to see if it has folic acid or folate. If it has folic acid, we want you to switch to folate. That is better than folic acid. That is where you are going to get the optimal nutrient is folate, not folic acid, because folic acid, again, is synthetic. And the thing about synthetic particles is that our body does not necessarily respond the way that it should if it was coming from a natural source. Does that make sense? So if it's synthetic, our body's not going to react the same as what it does if it's a natural form of a vitamin or a medication or a natural source where fully it does come from a natural source where folic acid does not. But the best option is this methyl tetrahydrofolate. Look for it. There are vitamins out there to do that. And speaking of which, so I want to share with you some brands that have these essential vitamins and minerals for you so that I have personally tried in the past and still do today. But obviously, I'm going to recommend you that you try eating food to get your nutrients that you eat nutrient-dense whole food intake first before resorting to a supplement. But if you already are doing that and want to know how to fill in the gaps with a supplement, here are a few brands that I recommend that you check out and that I've tried that are great. And Standard Process, Cod Liver Oil, Thorns Research, Prenatal, 
ancient nutrition prenatal, those two prenatals right there do have that methyl tritahydrofolate. They do have that. So you can guarantee on that. Megaspore biotic, that is the probably the number one probiotic that I recommend that actually gets to where it needs to go. Dr. Mercola smidge, perfect supplements, beef liver, ancestral supplements, beef liver, or Rosetta, Rosita, not Rosetta, Rosita cod liver oil. So those are the brands that I recommend. Out of all of these, I have taken all of these supplements, meaning from these types of brands, and that I continue to take. So they are good brands. They are greatly sourced to good companies, not synthetic, none of those things. So... Well, mama, that is all I have for you today. I hope you find some guidance on your nutrition for your pregnancy and that you try not to overthink about how you are going to get in these key nutrients. Of course, it always goes without saying that sometimes we aren't going to be perfect and we need to have a meal that isn't necessarily on point and that's okay. One meal is not going to make or break the growth of the development of your baby you are still a good mama who is doing her best. So if you want to have ice cream, eat it. If you want to have those chips, eat it. Just like all things need to be done in moderation. It's not about, again, being perfect in this area of your pregnancy. It is about doing your best when you can and within your control. And this is also not an excuse to skip meals when there isn't necessarily the most nutrient-dense food available. Do not do that. (laughs) Just eat what you can and feel comfortable consuming. As long as you stay away from consuming foods and drinks that are actually harmful to you and your baby, then you are already doing your best and that's great. I don't want you having a relationship with food that causes you stress or anxiety. If you begin to feel like that, take a deep breath, slow down your breathing and eating, and take a bite while repeating to your body and mind that you are safe. Happy eating, and I will meet you in the next episode. Bye. Hi again. Thank you so much for listening to this great episode. If you had learned something today, please make sure you leave a review in Apple Podcasts and share with another mom friend. Also, pop on over to our private Facebook group, sign up for our email list, and connect with me on social media, which are all linked in the description of this podcast. I can't wait to see you over there and connect with you. Now go listen to your mom gut because wisdom will guide you and chances are it won't let you down. Until next time, cheers.